am a five-star woman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 38. Can you believe it? We are on episode 38. So I'm going to go ahead and reach back to episode 34, where I said that I wanted you to take a look at a article and an article that um, a friend of mine sent me because she wanted, you know, my feedback and what I thought. And I wanted your feedback. Well, we kind of got off track for the last few episodes, but I'm just going to go ahead and jump in so that we can do that and then move into, you know, other things, other topics. So the first thing I'm going to do is do our five star check in. And uh, we'll start with spiritual wellness, how I've been doing with spiritual wellness. Um, I think I've been doing pretty good. Uh, lately, when I go to church, I prefer to hear the sermon than pretty much anything else. So there are times when even if I don't make it to church, I'll go online and stream to my church or to my mom's church um, so I can make sure I hear the sermons. And it's, you know, really feeding me and I'm really trying to make sure I'm learning something and that I'm able to apply it to my life. I mean, because after all, that's the point, right? So there's that um, for spiritual wellness, for physical wellness. Hmm. Well, um, can't say I've ramped up more exercising, but I can say that I have decreased my, uh, how much I eat, the portions, you know, so my portions aren't as big as they have been. They've been, you know, I've reduced them some more. Um, I cut back significantly on alcohol intake, you know, liquor, and which is not easy to do because this is the holiday season and everywhere I go, someone's like, hey, have this, have that. <laughs> so I don't know if I picked the right time of year to cut back, but you know, it's done, it's done well for me. I've also noticed a difference in my skin. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, which if you don't, you should. If you follow me on Instagram um, at Naturally Sin, I was talking very briefly, I made a post about my face and the changes that my face was going through and the fact that I had uh, for the past few months a really rough patch, um, which I think either I was allergic to a particular chemical in a particular brand of moisturizer or it didn't interact well with some of the natural products that I was using. Either way, it caused a really bad breakout on my skin, um, scabbing, um, peeling, it was really, and it was, you know, it hurt. It was right. It was downright painful. Um, so I'm at a point now where, you know, things are so much better and I'm actually able to go back to putting on foundation without it burning. So, you know, I think that also had something to do with, and if it didn't, oh, well, uh, with my water intake. So I want to make sure, you know, if you want your skin to be moisturized, you've got to be hydrated. So, there's that for physical wellness. For financial wellness, um, I'm not, I don't have as hard of a handle on Christmas spending as I thought I did, but I'm getting it together. I am getting it together and I am putting a pause or a stop to the spending and being smart about it. Um, and I've already do have repayment plans in place, which is good, but still, you know, the thing is, we can always 
have our repayment plans in place, but what if those plans fall through and you still have that bill that you need to pay? You know, if you have the ability not to rack up the charge, then don't rack up the charge. And so I know I'm not taking my own advice right now, but it's still good advice. <laughs> now, where I have been struggling a little bit is in mental and emotional wellness. I have been in a depression and I recognized it. So I did reach out to a few people, my sacred circle, I call them, just to let them know um, not for them to so much do anything, just to be aware that, you know, this is where I am right now. And I mean, as a result, um, I had some, I have some good, good girlfriends and they surrounded me with prayer. You know, I have some sister friends, my best friend and, um, you know, my, um, my sister cousin, you know, she took me out to dinner just so she can lay eyes on me, just so she can hear my voice and see you know, my body language, you know, she was, she was really checking me out. I know that's what she was doing, but that's okay though. You know, we have to be willing to let people check on us. I see all the time where people are like, oh, have you checked on your strong friend? You need to call up your strong friend because even strong people feel weak. And that's true. But if you are the strong friend or a strong friend, when somebody does check on you, be honest, be honest. If they're like, are you okay? be honest. If the answer is no, the answer is no, I'm not okay. At least not at the moment. I mean, maybe I will be, but right now in the time that you're asking, no, I'm not okay. So, so that's my check-in. Don't forget to send me your check-in. How are you doing? Okay. So let's jump into this article. 10 reasons, um, it's called 10 reasons why depression makes church hard. And I'm going to breeze through them because I have an ultimate point that I want to make at the end. Reason number one, it says a decreased interest in being in community. And basically what the author is saying is that one of the most important things of being in a church family is being in community, you know, and surrounding yourself with like-minded people, like, you know, people who believe the same thing. And so when you're hit with a, um, a wave of depression or a depressive episode is what is what um, the clinician, the clinical term of it is, then, you know, it may make being in community hard and you may not have so much of an interest in doing so. Reason number two, physical pain that prevents from uh, regular attendance. There are some people that and sometimes where depression can can manifest itself in a physical pain, headaches, you know, um, by because, you know, depression affects your sleep patterns. So sleeping a lot or, you know, too much versus not sleeping enough can produce headaches in itself. Depression itself can hurt. There are people that uh, that manifest like stomach aches, you know, um, some of us hold a lot of tension. If you're like me, I hold it in my neck and in my shoulders and that really hurts, you know? So if you're in physical pain, you may not want to go anywhere. You may not want to be around a whole lot of people, you know, and it may make it difficult just to move around if you're really in physical pain. So to get up and get dressed, to go to church, if you're in pain, you know, not, not really ideal. Point number three, a feeling of separation from God. 
Whew. So it says here, many responders said they felt it was a spiritual battle between their hearts and their heads. Their heads believed God loved them, but their hearts and emotions felt otherwise, causing a feeling of separation from God. So, yeah, I don't think I really need to go further into that because, you know, <laughs> I think that was very well explained. Point number four. A sudden burst of sadness makes a scene during worship. Now, I have lived this several times <laughs> um, where maybe something is said or a lyric in a song or something or even just a thought that runs across my mind while we're in the quiet part of the church service and I want to burst into tears. So what do I do? I get up and I get out, I get out to the bathroom as quick as I can. But of course my face um, shows itself, it shows the emotion, the, you know, sometimes my sniffling, my, my breathing pattern, it shows that I'm about to burst into tears. And of course, someone else who knows me will jump up and run out behind me to see if I'm okay. But what does that do? Now I feel like I've caused a scene. So I, I don't want to do that. So if I feel like, oh my gosh, I might burst into tears, I may just want to stay home. <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't want to be the scene and causer. You know, I don't, I don't want to do that. Point number five, trouble sleeping makes it hard to focus during after church activities. If you're um, the church that you attend um, has after church activities that like there are some on third Sundays, um, my church uh, provides home cooked meals for college students who are, you know, away from home and have decided to attend our church while they're away from home for college. You know, having a home cooked meal is a beautiful thing. So every third Sunday that happens. Well, if, you know, things of that sort um, happen after church or people get together to go out to eat. My friends do this all the time. We get together, you know, we used to figure out, okay, which restaurant are we going to today <laughs> or this Sunday? Or where are we going next Sunday? Well, when you're in a depressive episode, it makes those things difficult because again, you just don't want to be there and if you're having trouble sleeping you may be exhausted or you know if you want to go to sleep <laughs> you you know you you may start skipping some of those after church activities to just go home uh, point number six increased anxiety in social situations ironically it says anxiety and depression go hand in hand i've been telling you guys this while some may not feel down all the time, the emotional pendulum might swing between bouts of depression and extreme anxiety in a relative in a relatively quick span of time. So yeah, depression and anxiety go hand in hand. So somebody may not be, you know, so-called down, but they may be so alert to their emotions and how they look that let me tell you that itself can also be exhausting you know being alert all the time and you know having fear of oh well i have to go and if i don't go um then some oh and i have to wear this because if i don't then somebody's going to pick up that i'm not feeling well and, and that is exhausting as well point number seven a lack of understanding about mental illness now I'm going to pause here for a minute. A lack of understanding, meaning in the church. And I don't know who you are listening to this, but I am a product of a black Baptist church, born and raised in a black Baptist church. When I got about 19 or so, 
I left that church and went to another non-denominational church. I uh, stayed in non-denominational church for about hmm, about 10 years, I'll say. And then I ended up back at a, a uh, predominantly black Baptist church, even though the church I'm in now has more cultures than any other church I've ever been a member of. It was still predominantly African-American. And let me tell you, mental illness is not something that is widely discussed. And if it is, it is grossly misunderstood. And <laughs> so if you're sitting, it, I've had this happen to me once. I'm saying once, a few times. But there's one particular time I'm thinking of when I was sitting in church and I had done everything I could to get up get dressed and sit there and not burst into tears and cause a scene and everything. And I will never forget that particular preacher that day was like, you know, you, you, you can't be saved and claim depression. And I'm sitting there like, so I'm not saved. <laughs> it was, it's just, it's, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, I was also in church another time where, Another preacher didn't know that there was someone in the audience that had contemplated suicide before coming to church. Um, and most of the time, we'd be happy that that person decided not to take their life, but went to church instead in search of, you know, some sort of inspirational message. And that particular preacher that day was saying something, and I'm completely paraphrasing this, said something to the effect of, you know, if you're not going to live a holy life, then you're not, life is not worth living. And this person was struggling with wanting to live. So it was like, uh, so that's when it becomes difficult because there is a severe lack of understanding about mental illness in the church. And what do you do? <laughs> what do you do when someone is in the congregation or even voices that they're having difficulty in the area of mental health? What do you do? And that's a big, huge question mark. What do you do? What do we do? What do we do? Of course, the easy answer is, well, pray about it. But you have to be careful because you don't want to appear dismissive to that person. If someone comes up to you and says, yeah, I just think I want to just end it. And they're like, oh, well, you know what? You should just pray about it. That's very dismissive. You have just dismissed this person saying that they're, con they're contemplating taking their life by telling them to go home and pray about it. You know, it, so we we have to. We, we do, ha there has to be some basic steps that we need to take and some basic understanding that we need to have in the event that someone with a mental health issue approaches you in church. What do you do? And so as I move into 2019, yes, I have other things that I have on my horizon, but I am really hoping that the door is opened, that I can facilitate more discussions in church about mental health. Um, so that, that's, that's been on my heart. And so when I read this article, I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's really, now it's even heavier <laughs> on my heart. Okay, moving forward. Point number eight, a difficulty sharing feelings openly with others for fear of judgment. So yeah, we, you know, that's when you go into the default of I'm fine. I'm good. Or, or even if we say, and I say this, no, I'm not good right now, but I will be, you know, I throw in that, but I will be because I don't want to have the further conversation because I don't want to be judged by how I'm currently feeling. Um, so yeah, I know that I can, I felt that before. 
Point number nine, a fear of not measuring up against the Sunday mask. Ooh, wee. Not measuring up against the Sunday mask because, of course, we have to go to church because we're perfect, right? Wrong. No, that's not why we go to church. We don't go to church to portray perfection. I'm going to church to seek the only one that was ever perfect, and that's Jesus. So I'm like... No, I don't have to be perfect. And even though I say that and I know that in my head, when I am in an, a, a depressive episode, that does not connect for me. And I just don't. There are times when I'm like, I don't feel like putting a mask on today, so I'm just going to stay home. You know, I've I've had those. And point number 10 is a strong urge to keep silent um, for, you know, the fear of being judged, the fear of your mask falling off, the the fear of causing a scene if you burst into tears pushes can push us into wanting to just be quiet just be silent just do nothing say nothing you know that's it just suffer in silence i'll pretend the i'll pretend that this doesn't exist uh you know because there's a mass you know misconception about it anyway a huge misunderstanding about what mental health is anyway so I'll just be quiet I'll just suffer in silence and that makes it hard to now go and be amongst the people that I should be able to be amongst to try to be better to try to feel better so these are the uh, the author made these are the 10 points that the author made about why depression makes church hard now her she also did give some points to to try to change that i guess and one point she said was to reverse the stigma stop believing the lie that prayer and bible reading are the only two necessary remedies to mental health and i agree with that there's got to be some work done uh, we've got to put one foot in front of the other and you know do what we need to do another um another thing that she had was to open up you know then that's a lot easier said than done open up say something to somebody recognize the battle hire a professional but the one that she had that was my favorite was offer to meet with someone one-on-one -on -one. a lot of times going um to a place where there's a lot of people when you're in a depressive episode um is a lot easier said than done but maybe if you can reach out to one person and ask if you can sit and talk to them just them that can help you move towards a small group setting and the small group setting can help it help you move towards a, a little bit of a larger group setting and you just go little by little like that um so now the ultimate point that I wanted to make, something that I noticed was, it's not just that, I, 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 what the article did, I think, was to just zero in on depression, specifically in church. But that article could actually be rewritten to say 10 reasons why um, going out in public makes depression hard. Or, you know, you could say 10 reasons why being in your social club can make depression hard. 10 reasons why going to a family reunion can make depression hard. 10 reasons why going to work makes depression hard. And each of those can, can translate into those areas. So with this being the holiday season, and the holiday season isn't really over, I think until like Valentine's Day, check on your people, start to, you know, watch them, see if they're starting to miss out on certain things that they would normally attend. 
Um, for example, with my church, we just had um, yesterday, as a matter of fact, we just had our Christmas concert. Now, I went to the Christmas concert, but I was not part of the Christmas concert. And when people started to notice that certain people, when they started to notice that I was not in rehearsals, a couple of them called me. Hey, you OK? I just need to lay eyes on you. You all right? Everything OK? Because they know I normally would be part of it. Now, I did go because I wanted to support those who had, you know, practiced and prepared for the Christmas concert, but I just could not bring myself to be a part of it. I was like, I just need to sit down for a minute. I just need to rest. So, yeah, that, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And I would absolutely love to hear your thoughts on what you think can help educate, I guess, um, the church on mental health and how we can start to bridge that gap so it's not quite such a taboo topic. A couple years ago, just before the holidays began, I lost my maternal grandmother figure and it was really hard. So when I did a Woman Law Wednesday episode, I did it surrounding grief, family, and getting through the holidays. So I'm going to leave you with that Woman Law Wednesday as we're going into the Christmas and New Year holidays, and hopefully this will be helpful to someone. Tonight's Woman Law Wednesday, uh, the law for this video is called to use the time you have and take the time you need. So um, that's what we're going to talk about. And what we're talking about tonight, actually, the time using the time that you have means the time that we have with one another, the time that we have with um, friends, the time that we have with loved ones, the time that we have to spend with ourselves. And so we need to use that time, use it wisely, use it effectively and use it fully, wholly and, you know, to the fullest. And. And I will share with you that um, my plan was to take the month of October off and treat myself because the month of October is a very difficult month for me. It is my um, my birth month, yes, but I anyone who knows me personally knows that I've been very, very close to my grandparents and each one of them passed away in the month of October. Um, different years, you know, a few years apart from each other, but everyone in the month of October. So October is a very hard month for me. So I try to take the month of October off to celebrate my birthday. Instead of focusing on death, I try to celebrate my life. So I took the month of October off to, um, to do that, to just focus on myself. And during the month of October, the last woman who served as my maternal grandmother passed away. So there's that. <laughs> um, but in that, I wanted to just go ahead and come back. So it took me out for another couple of weeks from doing Woman Law Wednesday. But I wanted to come back and talk to you all about the fact that grieving is real. And a lot of times we as women try so hard to be there for everybody else that we don't necessarily take the time for ourselves to even grieve appropriately a lot of times you know we do have to go back to work and we have to get back into life and I do understand that however we do have to find the time that we need to find 
to spend with our loved ones while they're here and also find the time that we need to find to, you know, do what we have to do to grieve once they're gone. So I found a quote online and I'm going to read that to you. Grief is like the ocean. It comes on waves ebbing and flowing. Sometimes the water is calm and sometimes it is overwhelming. All we can do is learn to swim. And that is by Vicki Harrison. And that is very true that grief is like the ocean. All we can do is learn to deal with it and swim in it. We cannot avoid it. The, the ocean's not going anywhere. We can't avoid it like it's not there. We just do have to learn how to um, deal with it. So step one, use the time you have. Find whatever time you can find. Come up with a tradition, some sort of um, routine that you have with a loved one. If you don't have one, make one. I don't care if it's a phone call routine, if you guys watch the same TV show and then you talk about it the next day, if you have a certain time of day that you check in, whatever it may be, use the time that you have. A lot of times I, I hear a lot of um, family members that talk about how they don't have a chance to get together. Well, because they're looking for the time, a lot of the times they're looking for the time to present itself. And sometimes you have to make time. Um, many families invest in timeshares, not because they're looking to purchase any sort of property or have a rental property, but because of the memories. They're investing more so in being able to take their family on vacation and have memories um, that they're spending that time on and that they are um, investing in. So use the time that you have. If it's mornings and, you know, we are, you know, a lot of us have cell phones, Bluetooths. Um, hands-free devices, headphones, etc. We can use that time to, as we're getting dressed or as we're driving to work, call someone. Um, my paternal grandmother was my ride home from work phone call every day. If I had to ride home from work and sit in traffic, she was the person that talked to me while I was on the way home from work um, on Monday through Fridays. Uh, my, you know, my paternal, I mean, my maternal grandfather who lived in another state, whenever I would go visit, it was custom for him to, you know, there was a certain chair that he sat in when he, we, when we would visit. And that to me became his chair. And so when, you know, whenever we, I was a kid and, and we would visit and I'd be waiting for him to walk through the door, I'd stare at the chair because to me, that became his chair. That was a tradition that I made up and it probably was only a tradition between me and my grandfather. I don't know. I don't care. It was, it was, it's my memory. So that's my fond memory. Um, you know, things of that nature, the time that you already have use that. It, uh, a lot of us have, you know, we've got the, the, the holidays coming up. Um, Thanksgiving is widely known as family gathering time. Christmas Day is widely known as family gathering time. In the Jewish traditions, Hanukkah is widely known as family gathering time with different traditions and certain things happening on certain days. Use this time that's coming up. If you find yourself with a family member or reconnecting with a friend that you haven't spoken to in a while and you'd like to keep that going, don't just say to each other, we're going to catch up or let's do something like put a plan in place, put it on your calendar, make that a point 
of reference, something that you can go back to. Use the time that you have. Again, we've got social media. That makes it even easier to connect and reconnect and stay connected with people. Again, like I said, if you happen to like the same TV show, maybe um, after it goes off, you send that Facebook message or or that um, tag them in a, in a status or even send a direct text to them. Oh, did you see that? You know, my mom and I have a show that we like. Well, we have several shows that we watch at the same time, but there's one particular show on that night when the TV show comes on. We call each other during the commercials and scream and holler about what we just saw on TV. Oh my God, did you see that? Da, 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 da. We're screaming and hollering. My dad thinks we're crazy, whatever. It's our thing. <laughs> so we do that. And then, okay, it's, it's, it's back on. Okay, bye. And we hang up. And then when it goes back to commercial, we call on each other again. You know, find a way to connect, find something that you already have going on. Because a lot of times when we try to incorporate new routines in a schedule that we already have, it may become overwhelming to someone and then we may not do it or we may not see it through. We may not follow through with it. So great advice. Thank you. Thank you. Um, life lessons, a lot of them. Um, if you've got an elder um, family member that says, hey, I want you to do this with me. That's something that you that may be worth you finding the time, making the time in your schedule for that. Um, I had another, yet another <laughs> um, family member pass away just last night. And today I found myself kicking myself because she had said to me just a couple years ago, I'm going to take you and teach you this thing. And I was like, oh, we got time for that. Well, there's no time. So, you know, do use the time that you have while you have that person here, while you're here, and um, while you have, you know, while, while, while the time is presented to us in front of us, let's use that. So the second part of that is after they're gone. Now, when we're talking about grieving, a lot of times people relate it only to the death of a person and the death of a loved one. But sometimes grief can also include, it, grief is basically like the loss of something, a connection of sorts. There are people that grieve um, broken marriages. You know, once you get divorced, there is a grieving period for that, even if you are the one that filed and wanted the divorce. There's, there's a realization that that connection is over. It has ended. And so there's a grieving period for that. There's sometimes a grieving period for um, losing a job, especially if it was a job you didn't necessarily want to or plan to lose. There may have, there may be a grieving period behind that. There may be, um, you know, things of that nature. It's, it's, it, and sometimes it's just an adjustment, but sometimes there's some, some sadness involved and some um, grief and loss. Of feelings of that nature. But mostly when you lose a person that you've been close to, that's where it kind of cuts really, really, really deep. Um, because when you lose a job, you can get another one. You know, if you lose a spouse, you can remarry. But when you lose that loved one, they cannot be replaced. Um, no matter how you try, they cannot be replaced. So take the time that you need to um, to allow yourself to grieve. And I'm going to be transparent and say, this is where I am having um, a moment 
right now. I'm having a difficult time doing so because, um, you know, we have work to do. You know, you got to get back to work, right? Um, you got to get back into life, right? So where do you take the time to grieve as you need to? Well, I've had to focus on what I have to do, what I cannot avoid doing, like working. <laughs> you know, I, I have to do that. Um, but there are other things that I may be able to fill in my time with. For example, I may not pile so much on my plate and I may not take on so many projects at one time, but I may take myself out to a movie during the time I would have been spending in front of my laptop working and hustling. Maybe I can refocus the time that I have. If I have a certain designated slot in my uh, day to do nothing but sit on the couch and watch TV, well, that may be fine, but if you do that four and five days a week, maybe you need to use one of those nights to do something else. Uh, maybe we can go out to the park, get on a treadmill, get some fresh air. I have plans this coming weekend to go out and just, I mean, I don't care if I don't do anything but sit outside in the sun in the in, and get some oxygen the way God intended it. That's what I'm going to do because I'm going to take the time that I need to disconnect from what I need to disconnect from and reconnect to what I need to reconnect to. I need to reconnect with myself. I need to reconnect with um, tranquility. I need to reconnect with stability and peace. And I can disconnect from social media, which I have done um, a lot. I completely uh, took Snapchat like off of my phone completely because I don't, I, it's not serving me right now where I need to be, where I need to get back to. Okay. And yes, this is the resilience cultivator speaking. I have to put my own words into practice when it comes to um, building my own resilience because it took a hit. And it happens. Life is going to come. That's why I do what I do. That's why I do the work that I do with resilience because life comes and when it does, we need to be able to have the tools in place for it not to knock us out. It may knock me down, but you're not going to knock me out. I'm going to get back up. So that's basically in a nutshell what resilience is about and that's why I do what I do. But that also means that I need to put my own tools into practice and build my resilience as well. So take the time you need to do that. You know, if you haven't given yourself 30 minutes a day and you try to go Monday through Friday and just live for the weekend, you maybe you need to incorporate 30 minutes a day into your life. Sometimes we go to work at eight o'clock and don't take lunch until 12 o'clock. You might need to break that down. A lot of times we try to take things day by day, but when you're grieving, you may have to take things in one hour intervals or in half hour intervals, it's like, okay, at eight o'clock, I might be okay. But by 8.30, I may not be okay anymore. You know, based on the email that has come through or the phone call that I just ended, I don't know. I may become unrattled. I may become overwhelmed and I may become completely unglued because right now I am grieving and I'm doing everything I can just to hold on. Take the time that you need to take. If you need to, if you usually have take yourself maybe two breaks a day. Maybe you need to take four. Maybe you need to take eight. I don't know. It depends on your level of what you can handle, but you do need to give yourself some time to deal with that. So I know the topic today isn't exactly, you know, 
upbeat and happy-go-lucky, but it is something that we as women do need to discuss. We do need to think about. We do need to be honest with ourselves. Are we using the time that we have right now to build connections with others, uh, to continue and maintain the connections that we already have with others? And then once someone is gone, are we taking the time that we need to take to to, to to grieve, to bounce back from that, to to use the tools that we've learned or to learn tools for resilience. So that's the law today. Use the time that you have, but also take the time that you need. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Am A Five Star Woman podcast. Remember to leave a rating and or comment and visit the website at IamAFiveStarWoman.com. Thank you.